This is the Beyond Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. And this year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament in what we're calling a chronogeobiological flow, that is, we're following the chronology of the book of Acts and then jumping off the geography or the biography or the theology where the book of Acts lends itself to that. And we're going to do that today as we're continuing in the study of Thessalonians. We did First Thessalonians last week, and this week, Second Thessalonians. My colleague, Ben Greenbaum, is not with us today. I have made a serious upgrade and have my wife, Lisa, with us. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. That was encouraging. Well, it's a very big upgrade over Ben, uh, but you would be a big upgrade over everybody in the world because you are the love of my life. And this is really an honor to be able to do this with you today. I, I am really thrilled about it, especially here Father's Day weekend. So happy Father's Day to me that you are doing this uh, today. So we're we're grateful that you have taken some time to do that. And I know we're, we're going to deal with something today that's very near and dear to your heart, and it's a passage in Second Thessalonians that we're going to get to here in a moment. Let me begin by just recapping a little bit about Thessalonica. We talked about it a bit last time. Thessalonica was a very important city in the Roman Empire. It's on the Greek peninsula. It was extremely Hellenistic, that is, Greek in style and thought and practice, the center for worship of the Greek gods, a hub for commerce. There were many people of wealth and influence and prominence who lived there. And when Paul visited, in Acts chapter 17, it's recorded, when Paul visited, there was some success that took place. Some of the people that were Jews and Greeks and prominent people believed what he was saying and began to follow Jesus. But Acts 17 also tells us that there were many others who did not like it. They were people who were jealous, it says, people of bad character, and it the scripture says in Acts 17:5 they formed a mob and started a riot. So that was Paul's introduction to the city of Thessalonica and really shortly after he had been there just a few years later he wrote 1 Thessalonians. But only a few months after that he wrote 2 Thessalonians. I don't know if he was thinking like hey I forgot some stuff or just more things came to him that he'd wanted to cover or cover in a deeper way. So we get in 1 Thessalonians, those things we talked about, how he said it was, it was not without results, even though there was a riot. And he, he reminded the Christians that they had received the word of God as it really was, the word of God, and, and encouraged them to live lives that were sanctified in the Holy Spirit to please God. And now he writes 2 Thessalonians. And we come to this verse, Lisa, that is really near and dear to you. It's a life verse for you. It's in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. So um, tell us that verse and get us started on this, if you will. Thank you, Mark. I'd like to first start with a prayer, if that's okay. Praise be to you, God, our Heavenly Father to your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, through your death on the cross, you've given us the opportunity to share in glory 
and grace in this world and eternal life. Praise be to the Holy Spirit, alive in my life and our lives. You're willing to constantly pour hope and eternal encouragement to all believers. Mark and I welcome you, Lord, to this podcast, and we ask that you open up our eyes and our ears, our minds, all the minds of the people listening to this podcast today, so they can be encouraged in their hearts. Strengthen them as they complete today with godly actions and blessings through their words. Cover Mark and my words so that they can be your words, free from flaws of human interpretation. Our desire is to love and serve you wholeheartedly as we love and serve people in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, the scripture that I call my life verse, and I hope everybody's looking for a life verse in their in their lives that they can say, that kind of one is the one that really pushes me on in life. But I picked 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 17, and I've had that life verse probably since I was 20 years old. Um, I love it because it does Trinity treasures, and it has two words that really stand out to me, and one is eternal encouragement and good hope. And I'd like to just talk about that with you today, if that's okay, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of break down this verse. So if you have a Bible near you or on your phone, could you open up Second Thessalonians two thirteen to 17 as I read this? But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that we might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loves us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Isn't that pretty? That's amazing. And it's got a lot into it. We're going to unpack some of it today in these few verses. You know, Lisa, one of the things I've known about you in the in the four decades almost that we've been married is how much you love scripture. And I don't think I know anybody who reads scripture more thoroughly, more deeply, more passionately than you do. And it's interesting to me that out of the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, that you've landed on this verse as perhaps one that guides you the most. So I guess the, the question that I'd like to ask you is, why this one? Why, why'd you pick this to be your verse that governs your life? Well, anybody know, who knows me knows I love, love games. I love to have fun. That's true. And I especially love to see people happy. Um, I think Christian encouragement is one of the best gifts we can be given and give to others. It's a real gift that we need to give others in today's culture because so many people are focused on themselves that we miss what's going around in the lives of other people that we're, we're in contact with daily. So I just love this verse because it's rich in concepts. But I also love a lot of the letters. And I, 
I've been thinking about this. I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, I guess I'm going to call it a texting challenge. Um, if I am writing a letter or a card or something and I don't know what to say, let's say somebody's suffering and I don't know what to say, I'll, I'll open up the scriptures to one of Paul's letters, any of the letters, and I'll look at the very beginning of the letter or the very end of the letter. And usually there's something that is very encouraging. Like he doesn't just start off by saying, hey, did you put the pizza in the oven? Like sometimes what we see on a text or, you know, I'm coming home. He actually starts with something beautiful. So let's, let's take, for instance, Philip, Philippians 1, 3 to 6. Could you read that for me? Yeah, that's, got a, that's a great example of exactly what you're talking about. Paul is opening up his letter. And he says this in verses three to six, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So if we broke that down, like, Break it down as if you were texting a friend today. What would you, how could you make a text to a friend better by using that as an example? Yeah, maybe, maybe not using like the letters that stand for words. We abbreviate it as, as, <laughs> many, as much as possible, it seems like. Um, or, and, you know, I mean, texting is its own thing. It, it, it's its own sort of form of communication, but it definitely doesn't have the depth or the richness in general that this does. Probably, maybe none of our communications really do the way we do them in our modern world. To you know, the Philippians had to want to read this after hearing. I thank God every time I think of you, and I'm I'm praying for you all the time, and I, I remember your partnership and all the things that he's talking about in there. They, he had their attention, and he was being honest with them about how much he cared for them and loved them. So I don't know how that relates to the text challenge, but yeah, you know, I think the text challenge would be this today before you before you go to bed tonight and put your head on your pillow today. Just text somebody, look in your Bible, find a a really cool beginning or ending, and text them something like, "I'm confident that God has begun a great work in you, and I'm excited to see how Christ's going to carry it out in your life." And good night because I love you, or something like that, you know. Wouldn't it be beautiful to see texting or letter writing or even conversations starting off with something more than just, hey, can you do this for me? Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Challenge. I know that when I'm leaving the church and coming home, I'll just sometimes text you like coming home. <laughs> you know, as, as little effort as possible that I'll throw into it or on my way, you know, because you have the information. What more could you possibly want? And so uh, that's a, it's a good challenge for us to think about that. Now, now, this scripture, you said it has Trinity treasures in it. I heard you say that a minute ago. Uh, what are Trinity treasures? Oh, they're so fun. And it's like a Bible challenge or it's like a, a scavenger hunt in the Bible. You want to look for scriptures maybe in one verse or two verses at the most where it, where it throws God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus all in the same scripture. And those, I call those Trinity treasures because that's when you stop and you go, wait a minute, 
God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all together. And we see it in Jesus' baptism, but it's in all kinds of verses. Now, this verse, your, your life verse has that in it, yes. right? Yes, yeah. But it got God, the Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, this is God our Father. It's, it's all in there. Yeah, thanking you, God, sanctifying work of the Spirit, uh, sharing in the glory with Jesus. I mean, it is so cool. And so, you know, that is one of the things. Look for those Trinity treasures. And when you find one, go, treasure! You know, start screaming and yelling. Actually, and- this is exactly how it happens because we have devotions every night and Lisa and Abraham and I will be sitting down. And when she comes across one of these, I mean, there it is, like Trinity treasures, like something <laughs> like that. Because it, So what are some of them that you found in just a handful of them, a couple of them you found in scripture that will wet the whistle for, for all of us who are trying to find Trinity treasures? Well, sitting in Sunday morning worship, uh, I get sometimes get to hear the sermon three times, sometimes get to hear it twice, always at least twice. Is it get to or got to? Oh, it's a privilege. Uh, but as I've been listening, if someone, you know, like if one of you guys goes to one of the scriptures and it's a Trinity treasure, I was writing it in the front of my Bible. I've been doing this since January. So I found one that somebody said, 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, and it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Trinity cool? treasure, Trinity. Right there. yeah, there, there it is, right there, yeah. Um, but one of them that I think is really meaningful, and I think this is really important for people that are suffering from maybe being not accepted in life, or maybe looking towards their deathbed and the end of their um, life on this earth. And it is in Acts seven fifty five. Uh, it says. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of Mm. God. That's Acts 7.55. What I loved about that scripture, that Trinity treasure, what I love about it is Stephen is being rejected by everyone around him and they're throwing stones at him to the point where he's going to die. And it's pretty glim. And he looks up to heaven, and what does what's revealed to him is the Holy Spirit. And mm. it fills him, and he sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. And wouldn't we, wouldn't we wish that for anyone that is on their deathbed or that is suffering so severely with rejection or illness, wouldn't we want that to be able to say they were looking up to heaven? And they saw the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus. That 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 scripture, Acts seven fifty five, really stood out to me. That's pretty so powerful. My challenge is look for your Trinity treasures. I love that, and it, that leads us to this verse that we're looking at today in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses thirteen to seventeen, which encompasses God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in all of it, and concludes with this uh, that says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us, and here's the phrases that you pointed out, eternal encouragement and good hope. Eternal encouragement and good hope. And may that therefore encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So let's just zoom in on those words, eternal encouragement and good hope and ask ourselves, um, how do you get that? 
how, how do you live into that and what are some ways that you can you can find that through the ups and downs of life that's a good question why don't we take the hardest one first in okay. our failures hmm. how do we find eternal encouragement and good hope when we are failing miserably or when something hasn't gone our way and life is just like i did not plan to go on down this road uh, let's take the hard one first and then make it easier as we go. <laughs> so I've got I've got three in my mind um, in our failures, in our homes and in our ministry or work, you know, work mm. settings and our relationships. Yeah, so let's start within our failures. Encouragement or hope in those things. So, yeah, let's hit it. How should we respond um, when we don't think we measure up? Well, everybody knows the old fight and flight. Um, but I would like to present another option. Follow God. Fight, get your way, or flight, just leave, or follow God. And I think we should choose follow God because our failures are covered by Jesus. His grace is what gives us eternal encouragement. So, um, you know, thinking of some situations where People in the Bible followed God in a situation where that could be quite a failure for them. And the first one I can think of is Mary, the mother of, of Jesus. Um, this was an unplanned situation. It was a big change of plans for the girl that was going to get married. She finds out that she's going to give birth to Jesus, conceived through the Holy Spirit. She's a virgin. It doesn't make any sense to anybody. And um, her response is, not fight, not flight, but simply to follow God. She responds with a song of blessing. Um, I think she knew that God had chose her. Uh, she was standing on holy ground, which we stand on. Um, and she followed God's lead, relied on the Holy Spirit to bring her peace and faithfulness and joy. Um, that's yeah. a pretty, pretty big thing. In the, and she in was facing. going through shock. I mean, really, she had to be at that point. Like, here she is, a young girl. She hadn't been with anybody, and she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit and, and the shock of that, yet she found this encouragement and hope that you're, that you're talking about. I'm thinking about one in the Old Testament, and it comes from a different angle. This is a guy that was depressed, yeah, and his name's Elijah. It's in 1 Kings 19, and he'd had this big battle and, and won the battle, and then you know, the, the queen was mad and was going to— put a price in his bed head basically. And in, and in first Kings 19, the, the Bible says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And he sat down under a tree and prayed that he might die. And he spoke these words out loud to God. I've had enough. Yeah. And then what happens? An angel comes. I always say he was touched by an angel, <laughs> yeah. but an angel comes and feeds him, um, feeds him bread and water. And you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I want to die. And an angel comes and touches me and says, look above your head, there's some bread and water and you need to go and eat this, get up and eat this bread. I mean, like that's not too hard to do, but, um, he obeyed it. Yeah. And he, and he did that a second time. And, and the, the angel of God said, you know, just obey these simple acts and get up and get moving. We're going to encourage you. And then he makes this 40 day hike and has to go to another place, where, uh, the mountain, uh, where, where he goes and, and tries to meet with God. But he speaks out loud to God, even after the bread and even after the 40 days, he says, 
to God, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I bet everybody's had experience when you feel like you're alone. Like, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one faithful in this family. I'm the only one that's faithful in my work or whatever. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And God speaks to him. It's the famous passage where he speaks through a gentle whisper. And even after that, he says, I'm the only one left. He's, he's still struggling through this until God gives him directions to go back the way he came from, back toward the 40-day the journey again, and to anoint a couple of people, including his successor, and saying, don't give up. And it's not over. Even when your life is over, there's somebody coming after you. So there's just like a lot of examples in the Bible like that, where it's not about fighting, it's not about fleeing, it's about following God in faithfulness. If it's a big thing like bearing the Son of God, or a small thing like eating some bread and water, and and the, the things next that follow step. that, yeah, Take the next step, just do the next thing you have to do. Well, let's to bring it. God. But I wanted to say, you know, just a question mm-hmm. for all the listeners here because you've been listening to us, but. I've got a few questions for you. Do you in your heart believe that God works in the impossible? And what are you personally going through right now, right now in your life where you could use the Lord's eternal encouragement? Do you need good hope from God? And, and then your the, the big question is, are you fighting God's plan or are you fleeing from God's desire for your life by trying to do it on your own? Or are you willing to just take the next step and follow God? What steps do you need to take? Those are amazing questions. I want to bring it closer to home, actually home, in our homes, because the the big picture out there on the mountain somewhere or in the wilderness is one thing, or work, but it's another thing at home where yeah, we how live. do you give eternal encouragement all day long with the people you live with so what, every what does that day. look like <laughs> what, how do you see that kind of see it as um spiritual borders like i have this beautiful house i love my house so much i just love it so much i just have to say that but there's a white picket fence around my house and every day when i get up and i'm doing the dishes i'm looking past that little white fence that shows where my my yard ends and I look at a swimming pool and a volleyball court because we're right backed up to like a playground area. But if we're talking spiritually, what are some of the spiritual borders Hmm. that you have in surrounding your home? Uh, Are there hedges? Is there a a fort that you keep everything out? Um, Do you have a rose garden, barbed wire? electric fences, what is your home surrounded in? And how, how do you keep the encouragement and good hope in without letting disaster come into your home? I have an uh, example to share with you, if you'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a situation of bad literature that came into our home. Uh, I was really heavy-hearted and sad. I, it was a book, a, a well-known book by a well-known author, And I was skimming through, read about three-fourths of the book. And then I sat down and prayed, and I asked for wisdom because it had been brought in in our home by one of our teenagers. And I I asked the Lord to lead me in Scripture as what to do. And I was led to Isaiah 36. Now, something probably our listeners don't know, 
um, some people do, is that I have a Bible that we're raising, we're raising our nephew Abraham, and I have a Bible, a journal Bible, and I write prayers in there, um, prayers of encouragement, prayers of good hope, and just prayers of situations so that when he receives this Bible, that he'll be able to look back at his life and know that he had um, a woman, a prayer warrior that loved him and was praying for him. And this, this is really neat. This was written in um, November of 2019. But I'd just like to read this to you because it's easier to read it. Dear Lord, Almighty God, you are enthroned between flying winged angels. You are the Lord over all the earth and all the kingdoms. You made heaven and earth, and you have unending wisdom. Please listen to my plea for help. Abraham brought home a book today. It is filled with taking your name in vain, disrespect of authority, magical powers, violent behavior, and a school bombing, disrespectful of the Bible and mocking the Word of God. Talks about death, cohabitation, spending the night of boys and girls together at the school. It's prideful, and it has gender confusion. As I read through it, my heart sank. I wanted to burn the book like my mother did when I had a bad book as a child. I wanted to take it and throw it in the fireplace. I wanted to take it back to the school. I wanted to underline and rip out the bad parts. What do I do? How can I help Abraham choose God's honoring literature? Help me to have wisdom and love to navigate raising him. I see so much of you, Lord, in him, but I feel the pull of evil enticing souls. Deliver us from evil, please. I trust you. Kind of went through the day, finished reading the scripture. Um, I was telling you about Isaiah. And it's, it's Isaiah 37. And then this was my response at the end of the day. Following this morning's prayer, God reminded me of our home. Our home is a sanctuary of peace. The living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell in my home. I was reminded that if a person came into my home or TV or literature and they began cussing in God's name, being disrespectful to us, dragging in the occult and magic, showing violence in my home, disrespecting the Bible, or had a hunger for death, I would not allow it. I would kick them out of my home. I would have no fear, and I would replace that book, that person, with something positive. So I took the book that had been brought home, and I put it on the trash can outside until Abraham returned. After school, we talked. In place of the trashy book, Mark and I wrote a letter of love to Abraham, and we gave it him a listening CD of Adventures in Odyssey. Hmm. That, and by the way, folks, that's just one page of her journal, her Bible journal, that is chock full of things like that, the interaction with Scripture, and that's what you can do. I think you can hear in that Lisa's desire to create a hedge of protection around our home really means our lives, our spiritual journeys, so that 
we can filter out the bad and welcome in the good and the godly that Scripture wants to give us, that the Holy Spirit wants to give us on a daily basis. And so I guess my question for all of you would be, how would you describe your home, your marriage, your your family? That's good. um, In order to honor the Lord, what do you need to add and what do you need to take away from what is being coming into your home? Is there, um, are there, uh, it's the literature, the wrong kind, the, too much screen time. I mean, you know what it is. You can figure it out. These are hard questions for us to deal with because to talk about eternal encouragement and good hope is hard in a world which has continual discouragement and hopelessness. So it's, it's our hope today that you can, can grow from this. There, there would be so much more that we could look at and, and press into with this topic, and I wish we had days and days to talk instead of this short period of time, but it's been super encouraging and super grateful. So how would you wrap up, Lisa, kind of what we've said today? I just say in, in your ministry, in the areas that you work, to stand firm in God. Uh, trust him. He's the creator of the whole earth, and he's the, re- the ruler of everything. Uh, celebrate Jesus. Uh, he's done a victorious job of giving us salvation, and celebrate that. You've been invited to a wedding, and you are part of the wedding feast, and you can invite your friends. There is a, there is a little place card at the table where you're sitting the banquet table with your name on it. You're invited. And then remember, you can receive the Holy Spirit. All the fruits and gifts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So I guess I would end with the question, how can you today, not tomorrow, give eternal encouragement for others? And what gifts and talents can you share to make this world filled with great hope? Get up and do it. Do it now. That's amazing. Hey, I want to also say, I just love Mark Elsesser. He's totally amazing. And I just thank you for saying, for asking me to marry you. Well, now this is from now on going to be the the uh, podcast with Lisa Elsesser and, and Mark Elsesser. So Ben... I hope you can find another gig <laughs> because, you know, that's a, that's eternal encouragement right there. Next week, we're going to, we've been kind of up in the northern part of the the border where Paul's missionary journeys went, in Philippi and Thessalonica, and we're going to head south into Berea and Athens, the famous Athens in Greece and the city of Corinth next week, and, and look at how Paul continued to minister there. And if you guys want to go deeper into this Beyond Mission study that we're doing, uh, go to the, our website, fishersumc.org, or find the app, click on the Beyond Mission link, and that will take you to more elements in this year-long study of the mission of Jesus that we're to be carrying out with our lives. And if you want to stay up to date with these podcasts, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time. May God bless you all.